Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thanks for joining me for the Smarter Business Moves podcast. If content marketing is part of your growth strategy, head over to my new podcast, Content Marketing School, and visit contentmarketingschoolonline.com for resources. Now let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thank you for joining me for the Smarter Career and Business Moves podcast. My goal is always to inform, educate, and inspire. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever, whatever time it is where you are joining us from. My name is Annette Richmond. This is the Smarter Career and Business Moves LinkedIn Live Show and Podcast. And so, Mark, um, I met you a couple of years ago through our mutual friend, Lisa Rangel, who, you know, I adore. Mm -hmm. I've known her forever. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to know you on LinkedIn and you invited me on your show and I was so excited. It was the first LinkedIn live I ever did. And it kind of, yeah. And it kind of inspired me to, um, you know, to really do my own shows, which I kind of patterned a little bit after my experience on yours. So uh, the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, comfortable conversational style. And um, so I, I am so excited to have you here with me today. And for anyone who, you know, doesn't know who you are and what you do, um, please share a little bit about that. Um, I I say in my headline, I hack and reimagine the job search process. Some of it's factual and some of it's fiction, depending upon what you may call fiction. But I like to project a little bit about what's going on and how it may look in the future. I, I write a lot about what's going on and whether it's something to prevent or something to look forward to. Those are the kind of things I enjoy doing when it comes to job search. But I basically, uh, in the basic terms, I love giving help to job seekers for free for them. Uh, I charge you know, for my writing and where I write for the most part, but all in all to say that, yeah, all I just try to do is to be an advocate, try to be a voice for them and try to put things out there that sometimes it might be a little bit disruptive. Other times it might be, uh, I try to be more helpful than anything else. Yeah. Well, you, you put out great stuff and, you know, I, I, I follow you. you on LinkedIn and I read a lot of your stuff and, and it is uh, much appreciated. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about over the last couple of years, there's been a series of the greats, the great um, uh, resignation, resignation, the great regret, the great, you know, on and on and on. And now it's the great rebalance. And I'm I'm so excited that you chose this topic because I was not really familiar with it. Um, and as I mm-hmm. mentioned to you, it, it seems, um, and we talked a little bit about, and you're going to share, that, you know, these things have happened before, but um, what really stood out to me when I was doing some reading up about it is that it seems to have shifted um, sort of the momentum back in the employer's favor. 
from what I've read about, you know, things mm -hmm. changing. So um, can you just share your thoughts about it and kind of give us a, an overview of what's going on? Sure. And I will say that uh, even some of my posts from earlier this week uh, and last week from LinkedIn kind of points to this idea of a great rebalance because it's really not a new concept, nor should we really make it a thing when we talk about the behaviors of employers and employees and job seekers and other professionals changing their behaviors to meet to what the shift in the economy is going to be and what and how jobs are affected. So if we go back to 2010, we can see that there it was a great rebalance that's being talked to. And quite frankly, the employers dominated the conversation before because what it came down to is that we have jobs, we have you, and as career professionals, we talked a lot about how we people need to stand out to be recruited and to be employed now it's a little bit different conversation because we're talking employers are talking about getting the balance back as we bring people back from home to work remember 2010 that wasn't even a possibility except mm -hmm. for the very few uh, probably more so if you wear a white collar and a tie to work than you wore something you know business formal that that didn't include you now that shift has been made that is towards a wider variety of people and even some retail establishments make it available and we're not talking about people in the storefronts in the, in the mall we're talking about people who do customer service for a living and people who do work which doesn't really require you being in office so mm -hmm. there we see that that the great rebalance is trying to bring people to work but not everybody is buying into the idea that the employers are going to control the market like they did back in 2010. so i think that's a very important difference between the two is that we're having two different conversations employers dictated the conversation in 2010. Mm -hmm. in 2023 everybody's got a say and everybody feels a lot differently than it once was because it's become a lot more personal now the recession before was about a fallout in a particular industry that had trickled down the pandemic affected everybody because it was more personal and personable as it ran across people's families and how they operated so that's a big difference and now it's an entirely different conversation that we need to have so i think the expectations are a little bit different now than they ever had before you know and and as as you you mentioned you know the the pandemic shifted things for everyone so it isn't like mm -hmm. there you know there's a few people that are working from home and i mean when you've had pretty much everyone working working from home unless you were considered um essential you know when you were working in a store or grocery or something right. you know, the few places that were open everyone was working from home and you know it, it does feel like uh, that it would take something you know momentous again to really bring people back to the idea of oh yes okay i have to be in the work every i have to be at work every day um that kind of thinking but i did um read and i wanted to mention to you um a, an article where it was talking about LinkedIn and according to um, 
LinkedIn research, uh, 68%, I think it was, um, said that uh, of executives said that they were kind of rethinking the whole hybrid. And, you know, uh, okay, that's just something I read. So maybe, maybe it's, you know, um, just one thing. But I just, I talked to recruiters in January who said that they felt that hybrid was really going to be the new normal. So, so what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that you think that it is going to stay. It's going to stay and it is something that's sustainable, except for larger companies who invested all this money into the real estate during the pandemic, where I think that's where a lot of thoughts lie, because don't forget, a lot of companies bought up more property during the pandemic. They weren't selling. Now, that's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be used. But I think, you know, we could speculate all we want uh, mm -hmm. about it. But I think hybrid is here to stay. And then quite frankly, there is more possibilities for flexibility to make more people happy. Not completely happy, but to make them happier being that they can work two days at home in three mm -hmm. days at the office or vice versa or maybe even have a stretch of time where they could work they could work remote from wherever they want and then maybe they could stretch a time where they could be in the office at a certain time of year yeah. i'm thinking maybe even some employers could even ask their employees how do they want to work and let that be uh, a part of the rebalancing act that's probably easy to operate sure there's some people that are, are that are going to want to be in the office and yeah at one point there were overwhelming number number of stores where young people who really wanted to do that but then you find out that they want to travel they want to be able to have the options mm -hmm. and i think that's where the nucleus really is is that do i have the options like my youngest son has the option to work at uh he had a thing that happened to him and he was able to work at uh, at home for a little bit until something blew over. Then he was able mm -hmm. to go into the office as regular. But before that, he had a hybrid. So yeah. he's not, a, that's rare now, but it's becoming more to fruition as companies begin to say, hey, this flexibility could work for me too, being in, you know, being a manager, but have a family or mm -hmm. in the C-suite, but I've got, you know, to help my wife, because I know there are, there are executives I talked to that said, hey, I got to see what she really did at home or what he really did at home. Mm -hmm. And boy, it's a lot. And I need to really think my life. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of hypocritical. Some say, well, I can think of my life, but I want my people to come into office. I think there's some who come to reality that people are facing the same things no matter who they were. I, I, absolutely. And, um, I, you know, I have a friend um, and I and I, I, I doubt if this is the only, you know, company um, working at uh, Gartner who told me that they became a virtual first company and they have a mm -hmm. very large um sort of a uh, campus, um, you know, a few buildings, just a, a town over from where I live. And my understanding is they are cutting back on the real estate because they are virtual mm -hmm. first. And, you know, if they have um, quarterly meetings where people, you know, need to attend then people just go, they go in that time. And if they live a distance away, they stay in a hotel or whatever for a few days. And so, I mean, that seems to be um one thing that we i don't think we saw 
10 years ago was no, larger corporations embracing the whole work from home. The work from home was a luxury. Um, and it would, there were exceptions to the luxury for the most part back in 2010, when we talked about right after recession, employers own the recession and its advantages for them and getting getting things back on order. Because don't forget as well is that they were also exerting their power saying that it's nice that you applied to our jobs, but we're really looking at the people who are now employed first rather than yes. people who are not employed. Yes. And I shared an article on LinkedIn that was written back in 2011 it was from new york times and if you want to uh, find out look up c rampley 2011 uh and they didn't use the term employment bias but that's what it is where they looked at those who were employed better and more so as the realistic candidate yeah. for them to hire yeah. so they told they told us what they were going to hire, what they expected. And there are all kinds of things that career practitioners, which I was back at that particular time, mm -hmm. doing workshops and things around the East Coast and through the middle of the country that, you know, say, hey, put your volunteer and position it as if it was work experience. Yep. And, and even there was advice floating through LinkedIn at that particular time, as I remember, say, hey, you know, put yourself as a consulting company. You remember that? Yeah. I don't know if you were at that time, but oh, yeah. Yeah, put yourself as a consulting company so that it looks like you're employed. It was like anything to get to get some kind of, uh traction on your job search because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are unemployed very savvy smart uh brilliant professionals were out of work for longer periods of time mm -hmm. because of that particular bias now that rebalance we talk about rebalance we're also rebalancing the perception of who's really a good hire and it's really yeah. anybody yeah. who's looking to get hired and that can prove themselves now mm -hmm. at least more so Although the employment bias still exists, well, unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of bias out there, and you know, all different all different things. But you know, you just made sure. me think. I I remember um, when I was working as a recruiter, um, and this was like 2012 ish. Um, uh -huh. I worked with one company, um, and there was the hiring manager in the technology area he would not look mm -hmm. at anyone who didn't have like five years with at each position that they had held, which was right. crazy. Yeah. It was crazy, but yeah, you know, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. So, um, you know, things certainly have changed in that area, but I, I want to ask you about um, the idea of quiet quitting. That's was kind of like the buzzword over the last maybe okay. three months <laughs> talking about quiet quitting. And I've seen yeah. even, you know, sort of humorous videos on, on TikTok uh, where, you know, the boss is wanting someone to stay late and they're kind of like, oh, you know, my time is up at five and, um, you know, not wanting to, you know, chip in now. You know, I remember when I was in corporate, and you may as probably do as well, where you just did that. You just did it. If you had to stay late, if stuff was due, somebody was out, it was just, it, you, there wasn't even a thought of saying no, at least not for me in my positions. But, um, but I was just reading today, well, reading today, but I've heard in the more recently about employers sort of 
um, flipping that back with the quiet firing, where instead of if, you know, if I'm not performing well, instead of, you know, trying to get me to do better, if I'm, you know, they feel like maybe I'm quiet quitting, that they're starting to freeze me out. I'm not getting the plum, you know, projects. I'm not getting, uh, right. you know, invited to meetings. But, you know, to my mind, as I'm reading that, it, it kind of always was like that. If you were feeling left out, you were kind of probably on your way out. So can can you talk a little bit about that whole, you know, quiet quitting, quiet firing phenomenon and, you know, where that may be going? Yeah, we're talking about adaptation to different behaviors is all that is. I really don't think the quiet firing, the quiet hiring and, the, and whatever else we're being quiet about was <laughs> just that it was quiet and it was an adaptation that people made instinctively. In other words, they saw that they weren't getting anywhere staying after work or coming in early and doing extra work anymore. So then they decide to draw boundaries saying, I'm not doing that anymore. And it was a, for, for that person, it was a signal saying, I'm not doing that. I'm buying my time or I'm looking somewhere else. And for the quiet hiring, it really isn't a hiring, so to speak. It's a shifting of responsibilities that, hey, we had all these people quit and these people lay off. Let's just shift their responsibility downward. But we won't change the title or the, or the money because it's just going to be temporary, right? Some people ended up doing those things for years. Remember back in the 2013, 2014, that's what, that's what often happened. So all these things are just adaptation of behaviors. One of the things, though, that I think that came out of, you know, that's going to be a constant is the idea of the job hopping and how job hopping really used strategically. Now, the cat is out of the bag. That's mm -hmm. how you make advances in your career. That is really the best strategic. Now what the difference between now as a strategy as opposed to 21 the spring of 21 when we had those deluge of people four million people quitting per month for those few months is that people thought they were riding a wave not realizing that well if my career tools suck before i left the job i'm bringing to my next employer these sucky tools and my attitude along with them yeah. As opposed yeah. to strategically saying that I have a competitive advantage. I just learned these new things and I'm learning new ways to apply it. I could take that zone of genius now of these new skills and what I've learned and knowing what they can do and apply it to yeah. another company. Uh -huh. And I've said this before on lives. The, the on cat is also out of the bag. Because you move from link from Microsoft to Google, you're going to get a 10% raise probably even if you don't negotiate. That's just going to be because they automatically see a tech company, a big company, a global company. Hmm, we need to compete with them. We should offer XYZ. I'm not saying that is towards everybody. Yeah, yeah. So for a lot of people who fear that, that 10% is a lot more better than that 5% even if they've got more responsibilities and they paid you a little bit more with it. There's yeah. no 
fruit, there's no fruit basket at the end of your career and say, you stayed with the company all these years. No. Or you stayed, you stayed five years. People are not going to care about that because you're, 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 your learning is a work in progress. It's progressive. And yeah. that's what people and job seekers need to stay in tune with, that their work in progress, it gets better over time. You become more proficient. You become more efficient over time. Yeah. Don't sweat those kind of details in making your career advancement. For some people, it might be better for you to stay because the company is moving so fast, innovation, they're moving faster than all the other competition. And yeah. that has happened. And it does happen, especially if you work for a new startup. Yeah. You work for yeah. a new startup, you get to see things from the ground up and you get to learn things very fast or have the opportunity to. You know, you I. Want to I say something? No, I was just going to say what you what you were just saying kind of reminds me of that saying, you know, wherever you go, you know, there you are. I mean, it's like whatever, wherever you go, there you yeah. are. You are the same people. It's like people that think, oh, you know, if I go on vacation with their spouse that, you know, everything is going to be rosy. Well, you still have the same, you know, the stuff wherever sure. you go, there you are. It's the same. And, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on, um, and, and this, and I had been reading about this, I don't know, maybe six months ago, that a lot of those people mm. who decided, you know what, I'm going to make that leap. You know, then it turned mm. out that it wasn't as green as they thought it was going to be. And because of, you know, when they got there, things weren't, you know, as they thought. And, you know, for, I think in, in a lot of things in life, it, it looked, oh, that looks better than, than where I am right now. So what are your thoughts sure. on that? My son, my oldest son, when he was in college, he was doing an undergrad in college. While he was doing undergrad, he changed jobs 13 times <laughs> as an undergrad, 13 times. And his thought process was, well, when this place offered better hours at better pay and had better coworkers and a better team, those things are the things that I chased. Even if the salary wasn't all, you know, you, these are college jobs, right? But he mm -hmm. was for the better situation. But what he did in the interim was he grew his network he grew his base of knowledge. He grew his base of the working world. He was able to adapt. He was able to become more flexible. And he loved the process of mm -hmm. learning something new, even if it was something completely different in every single store, office, space, whatever it was. And he loved, he was wired a little bit different. He was the kid that did the high school did high school activities, played the sports, and had a job during his whole time. So literally, he loved that way. And I'm not saying that's going to be the right thing for everybody. But again, this new generation, the Gen Z, the Gen, the the, the millennials, they're about the options. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think we need to be, is, is, and everybody else needs to consider, okay, if you're going to, you can't, you don't have to use the term stuck in a job anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to be stuck in one place anymore. 
unless, of course, there. I understand there's different variables to that, to benefits and insurance and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But nobody has to be because there's one that's actually better out there for you. And as career professionals, we love the fact that people love because, you know, for those of you who have clients like yourself, yeah, you love when people change. That means there's more opportunities. I yeah. love the, the I love the drum, dramatic part of it that, that the employers don't like it, and that the recruiters don't like the career professionals giving them one bit of information, and the career professionals <laughs> don't like the recruiters giving them another bit of information. The I'm here for that kind of drama. So, <laughs> mind you. But mind you, most of all, I love the fact that job seekers have more options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, although we try to give them the best strategy in the world, there's somebody who actually got a job with a bad resume. And, oh, yeah, of and course. And, and pick their nose during an interview. Yeah, I mean, that's those true. aren't good things. That, but people have done those things and won. And so, I'm interested in the job seekers winning better with the best information, Mm -hmm. but all that is just better to talk about. So that's why you become more informed when you look on LinkedIn, you see everybody's opinion, you pick one, you go with it. And I know we could have spent an hour and a half talking about this. Oh, of course. We're going to go (laughs) a half hour. We can keep all the juicy stuff late. But I think one of the things that job seekers can really start taking away from uh is that they need to start looking at their job search a little bit differently than they did even five years ago even before the pandemic Mm -hmm. because the possibilities are there it a lot of it ultimately just like it was back in 2010 people don't get jobs sometimes because not just because the door wasn't really all that open but because they're presenting themselves in a way that just wasn't attractive to the employer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've yeah. got to dig deep and find out what's attractive and start attracting those employers that, that you can attract. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to make it really as simple. It goes a little bit deeper than that. It goes a lot deeper than that. But you you got to do the work. And well, as long as you're strategic about it, you can you can make it happen. Well, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I have um, um, one guy that I've worked with and and he every couple of years he changes jobs. I've worked with him two or three times. He's a really uh, dynamic salesperson. And so mm-hmm. he just keeps moving, you know, um, higher and to a you know a larger company and more responsibility. Um, and for me, mm-hmm. it's really exciting, exciting to see that. Um, but sure. but I. I do want to get your opinion before I ask you for kind of some some final thoughts, um, because okay. I've, I've read a lot and I'm sure you have too, and, and heard people talking about the idea that, you know, um, work life balance is so important that it it comes mm-hmm. up the highest, the most important thing, sometimes above salary and various surveys uh Mm -hmm. that you know that that is really important to people but then obviously you know i've had recruiters to tell me that well yes that's true but somebody's not going to take you know ten thousand dollars less for work-life balance so you know because they can work you know three days from home or something so i'd like your thoughts on that yeah i i think people have taken less but gotten more balance as far as their home life and be able to have some more flexibility as far as their time because that's kind of the arbitrage 
is that I get to trade the time to have more time for my life and mm -hmm. the things that are more prioritized than work, um, at least on from level, that they would take, it, it, it's a very thoughtful thing to do. It's easier to take a 10,000, uh, you know, cut when it's from 110 to 100,000 as opposed to from 60 to 50. Yeah. You know? Oh, so yes, be, of course. Let's be, let, let's be clear <laughs> about that perspective. But all in all, I think that, yeah, people are willing to take it. In fact, people have even done to the point to where they are taking advantage of the flexibility and even taking two full-time jobs, which I know people who are doing Yes, that. yes, I, so I heard that too. They're doing that and they're paying off mortgages, school loans, you know, colleges, uh, and, and, and a different type of lifestyle or even saving so they can be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I think those, there's many different advantages to that. And I think that before we throw everything out saying that job hopping is bad and, and, uh, you know, having the flexibility and that they want this and other, you got to think that the, once people found out what's possible, now you can't really stop them yeah. from, from seeking that out and changing the narrative towards that. I know that's what people don't want to hear because there's that person in the back who's always going to cheer for the big company and to make people go back to work and get rid of the bad people who yeah. want the, the inflexibility is the same old thing. I yawn at that too. But ultimately, is that that's the way that thinking is going to shift. And at some particular point, if, if companies really want to make a movement into balancing life, is for is to figure out and to work with people on how they can do that. And otherwise, there's going to be oversaturated industries. The industries mm -hmm. and the companies that do that are going to have plenty of people to hire and have waiting lists, while other people are going to be wondering when are people coming back to my restaurant and closing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where people will have to, uh, employers will have to rethink. And job seekers, they just need to be more thoughtful about how they job hop in when they do it and how they need to also do what an article that Jack Kelly, you and I, uh, our friend, wrote about job crafting is being able to shape your job and to reshape it in a way that's going to help you advance your career and really that's nothing new either honestly people and it is and and you know there's the idea of being innovative is not just relegate the tech but it's also just the fact that you're able to think outside the box mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and be able to reshape it so that in a way that maybe you can work from home and also make it make something easier better bigger stronger, faster for your employer and add value that way. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's funny. There's so many things that I would love to chat with you about. So you'll have to come back, but our, our we time have, is, we have to do that. Our time is kind of running out now. So I just like to ask, I, I like to ask everyone, cause we always talk about a lot of different things. Is there anything mm -hmm. that, you know, we haven't, I haven't brought up um, that you'd like to just add something in a final thought that you think um, would be good for people to know? 
Yeah, I think I think and I think you were involved in the discussion and what I initiated about data privacy and security and how we need to look at that really differently and need to look at that's a part of our lives now. That's not just a separate part where, you know, that would be good to have. As we begin to work more remotely and hybrid, we also have to ask questions that is that company gonna be a part of also helping me make sure that not only the work product, but that I'm not exposed to any lack of security that they may have and mm -hmm. policy and privacy um, measures that they have are going to also protect me as well. Even if I don't go, if I work at the office, those questions need to be asked because I think that people still have a cavalier uh, thing about data privacy. And I think it's going to be just as important as having that, having your home secured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need to think of your privacy, your data is as important as your home and somebody invading your home and taking things out of your home. So I think that needs to be a part of that. And I think that's also a part of the larger discussion of when we rebalance, we got to rebalance with, with better safeguards and better gatekeepers as well. Oh, okay. Well, well, thank you so much. That is a, um, a great way to end. Um, thank you so much for being here with me today. And, and I, I'm glad sure. that you nodded your head that you will come back because it's always such a treat to chat with you. So uh, thank you so much. And to everyone else, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Career and Business Moves podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe.